0: Hi, and welcome to Stressed, the podcast to develop your stress resilience. Being ambitious and successful while living a happy life is possible. Learn how you can better cope with stress in day-to-day situations by applying tools and techniques that work for you. My name is Julia Arndt, and I'm extremely grateful that you decided to check out my podcast today. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome back to Stressed, the podcast to develop your stress resilience. I am so grateful and so excited to have you listening to today's podcast episode on how to find fulfillment in your life. And in order to dive into this topic, I invited a very special interview guest to today's podcast episode. His name is Taylor Conroy, and we talked about how he found fulfillment in his own life, and he shares with us different tools and techniques of how he got there. Taylor became a millionaire at 27 years old and realized that he's not living the life he wants, because it would mean that he would be even more burnt out than he felt already at the time. So Taylor went traveling and moved from searching happiness outside himself to searching happiness inside himself. Today, he is a successful entrepreneur, four times TEDx keynote speaker, a meditating surfer obsessed with building businesses that make a change. His first social enterprise, Change Heroes, mobilized people in 80 countries to fund and build 400 schools, water projects, libraries, Girls scholarships, anti-sex trafficking work, and lot more, lots and lots more. And one of the beautiful things that I always find by interviewing different people from different backgrounds and different stories is that they also challenge me in my own stress management approach. And Taylor is actually challenging me a lot on my approach around my work week and about Planning to work less and he says to me, you know, if you're waiting to have less things to do, to take more days off, it will never happen. And I found that so inspiring and so true because we are always planning to do something in the future instead of looking at what can we do today in order to make changes in our life. And so I really hope that you are taking away a lot of inspirational insights from this conversation with Taylor. We are talking, for example, about why setting authentic goals is so important and how he made a four-day work week work for himself. He also gives insights into how you can make giving a habit and why creating structure creates more freedom in our lives. I also love that I could talk really openly with him about how you can create healthier ways for men to think about stress and how he's using meditation to optimize his life. So if you're listening to this podcast episode today, I would love you to come by my Instagram account at Blue Mountain Mindfulness and share any inspirations, any taglines, any insights that Taylor is sharing with us and that you are taking away from this today's podcast episode. So without further ado, let's jump into the conversation with Taylor. Enjoy so, so much. Hi, Taylor. How are you today?
1: I'm freaking fantastic. How are you?
0: I'm really good. Thank you so much for being on my podcast today. I'm so excited to have you and share your story um, but before we jump into all of that, tell, pick us up and tell us where are you located and what time is it now and what have you been up to today?
1: Okay, today's been pretty amazing. Um, right now I'm sitting in my living room, as you can see, mm-hmm. uh, and I've got two two cups full of hot cacao beside me because it's my um, early afternoon drink. I think it's like 12.30 or something like that right now. Uh, I swam in the cold ocean today, meditated for an hour, and, um, and I've been on calls with clients all day, which has been a blast. So, so far, so good. How about yeah. you? How's your day? And thanks very for having good. me in your bedroom, by the way.
0: Yes, of course. My pleasure. And um, so you're located in San Diego. I'm located in Lake Tahoe. So we are actually on the time, same time zone, which is not very often with my podcast guests. They're a little bit all over the world. Yeah. And I've been doing... Similar to you, I've been having um, client meetings this morning. I just went for a very nice walk down to the lake to uh, do a little, you know, in between stress, stress less session and then um, just been preparing this podcast. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about you Um, who who are you and what have you been up to over the last couple of years?
1: Sure. I mean, I think i say like over the last couple of years have been up, down, sideways rainbow colored black and white and crazy um in a really really good way now i feel super super grounded and like i'm building a really nice foundation but over the last like if we flash back like 10 years from now or 10 years ago i'm 37 now i would have been 27 i had uh you know a multi-million dollar real estate company i had a a new truck and a fast motorcycle a house on the ocean i had all of these things and uh was just realizing that I was deeply unhappy. Mm-hmm. Um, which it sounds kind of crazy even in now looking back at it. And I shouldn't, I wasn't, I don't want to say I was depressed or, or going through mental health issues, I, I wasn't. I w- but I was just realizing that what society had spun as the stuff that is going to make me happy was mm-hmm. just a load of shit. Um, are we allowed to swear on this podcast?
0: Yes, you're allowed.
1: Good, because that was, it's a load <laughs> of shit. And, and I just kind of kept learning that over and over and over again, whether it be uh, reaching some financial goal or reaching some goal of a relationship that I wanted to be in uh, or, or reaching goal physically. I was a bodybuilder at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I was in in all of these different areas I I was at like what you would look at as like peak shape, right? So Mm -hmm. 27 millionaire, all the stuff. I had like 3% body fat was 220 pounds, solid muscle was like in the, the peak shape of my life looked like pretty ridiculous actually if you look at the pictures now like it look like such an idiot but um and <laughs> I, had all this, I already
0: built it for a while as well
1: <laughs> yeah you get it yeah you get, yeah, it, how, totally it get it. It, how insane it is anyways that that was like the peak of my like outward search for happiness and after that I decided I was like I, I I need to go and find myself I need to go and find out like what do I love and and what would actually what would actually bring me some fulfillment and I went to Uganda, I went to Kenya, I visited a number of different villages in, in sub-Saharan Africa to find a cause that I could start to to give to, right, mm-hmm. to really, like, get involved in, and uh, fell absolutely in love with, with Uganda, I fell in love with education um, for, in developing countries, and long story short, I came back with this, like, mission that I wanted to start building schoolhouses, I wanted mm-hmm. to start funding schoolhouses, I was really comfortable with money, and I thought, I'm, I'll be a fundraiser, and, and... Fast forward, you know, we ended up raising enough money to build a schoolhouse, which was $10,000, then raised enough money to build 30 schoolhouses, then raised enough money to build 100 schoolhouses, then 200 and 300. And then we started building, started funding libraries and water projects. And this is all through a a fundraising um, kind of platform that I invented. And we ended up building 500 projects all over the world in 14 countries, you know, like Sierra Leone, Ghana, Nicaragua, Ecuador, Haiti, China, India, all over the world. And, uh built these 500 projects. It was phenomenal, fascinating, crazy, up and down. I, I ended up speaking about it all over the world. I spoke at the United Nations four times and TEDx and Princeton and Harvard and Cornell and all these places and um, ended up going completely belly up financially. Right. Mm-hmm. So through through all of this stuff, I'm trying to make my company work, trying to make, trying to make a company work that was like this fundraising company, uh, that was like bettering the world and trying to make money in a capitalistic society just proved to be harder than I thought. And mm-hmm. I ended up, I ended up declaring bankruptcy. Okay. So I went from, I, so I went wow. from, like I said, millionaire, bodybuilder, uh, you know, living the dream, cocky, probably cocky, what a lot of people cocky say, arrogant prick uh-huh. to, you know, you know, service first, service is all that matters. It's all about impact, not thinking about money. And therefore, not. I mean, I thought about money, but not, not smart enough and ended up going bankrupt. And I ended up letting a lot of people down in the process. I ended up, I had investors. I had like 42 investors in that company, that social good um, company. Mm -hmm. And I ended up, what I looked at is like letting them all down. I remember, I remember sitting in an apartment in New York one time and um, I called it my own little hell. And I sat there and I called all of these investors and told them that the money was gone and it didn't work out and that we weren't funding schools anymore because we were broke. And so I went through this like really tumultuous time, this real like dark night of the soul of like, was all my success before this a fluke? Mm-hmm. Um, I, all I own now is a backpack and a suitcase and the, and the the clothes that I have in them. That's literally all I owned. Mm-hmm. And like, where do I go from here? And so from that was a couple of years ago. Uh, I was in bankruptcy. I'm 37 now, like I said, and I was 35. I was in bankruptcy, so it's not that long ago, right? That I was in it, and mm-hmm. I remember being in that in that time of life and going, "Wow, this is probably pretty unique. Like this is a, starting to look at the starting to look at the the opportunity in that experience. Like, mm-hmm. what can I learn from this? You know, what this is." One of the, some advice that uh, one of my investors gave me was you know basically like get up dust yourself off, start another venture as soon as possible, and learn everything you can from this failure he said it's it's a gold mine and so i just I started writing lists and lists and lists of, of things that I learned on the on the way out on the way down and it was crazy how much more I learned going broke than I did in making money
2: mm-hmm.
1: I learned more going down than I did on the way up and uh and so I harnessed those things I vowed to to correct a lot of the mistakes that I'd made. And now, like two years, I'm not even two years out of bankruptcy and have I've made it all back. Um, I'm back in a place where I feel very comfortable financially. I live in the home that I want to live in. And, and it took a lot of soul searching. It took a lot of looking at my bank account and seeing a dollar. I remember one time having a dollar and 12 cents left. Um, I had a lot of people that I could lean on, like friends lent me their places to stay in for free. You know, one guy like just gave me his guest room for free for six months because he knew I couldn't afford rent. And I just sat there and I started a new company and built from scratch and built it with a really, really strong foundation. Um, and now that I'm in this position, I can now just start to get back into the impact stuff. So we'll probably fund another 30. We'll, we'll fund 30 homes for families in Mexico this year. We funded about 150 in the past. And next year, we'll probably do 100 homes. And then the year after that, we'll probably do 1,000. And start to scale it up so that you know you asked a very straightforward question that was a long answer but yes uh, the, the, last, the last few years have been a lot
0: okay so let me let me take a step back and start from a uh, taylor 27 years old millionaire you have a beautiful house um, at the ocean you said you're yeah. like you know you look great i'm sure um you know you're fit um, everything is just as you maybe imagined it to be and then yeah. how how was that moment? Like, were you like, okay, what's next? Or were you like, I'm not happy? Or how, how did that change come?
1: You know, the, one of the most profound moments to me was at an award ceremony. So I had a real estate company at the time, okay? And uh, and I was going to get this big award that made more money than any, I think any other new, new agent I think had ever made. Made $500,000 as a brand new agent. And um, because real estate, I just... I love real estate. It comes naturally to me. I feel whatever. I like it. And, uh, before that, the most I would ever made in a year was about $35,000 and then the next year I made 500. So it was a real shift in my own thinking mm-hmm. of what's possible and, and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. I remember sitting there about to get my award for making $500,000, which is like a this big plaque and I'm wearing my suit and I'm feeling all special and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I had the, my fiance beside me, former fiance and, um, and a real estate agent, a really, really good one, leans over and she says, "Taylor, like it's crazy that how much you made last year. She she's I've never seen it. I've never even seen anyone make half that in their first year." She said, "You hit your goal." She said, "What are you going to do next year? What's your goal for next year?" And I thought to myself, "Wait a second. I just went through like three burnouts. I stressed myself out. I worked so much. I canceled." I didn't go to family reunions. I didn't go to weddings. I didn't go to anything because I was trying to hit this fucking goal of five hundred thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. And now I'm supposed to just turn around and set another goal, another higher goal. And and these this let's say like the the arrogance or the, the overconfidence that I had in my head of like I'm good at setting goals and therefore I'm good at life started kind of crumbling because I started realizing that setting goals definitely was not all there was to life. That's the first time I got I got kicked in the behind on that one and mm-hmm. i tried to forget it because I, I was like no, no 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 i'm just getting good at this whole hitting goals thing i want to go back to that i want to set another goal yeah. and go for it and that's what but, you're yeah, supposed said, to
0: do in life right <laughs> that's
1: what you're supposed to do go to any yeah. like tony robbins conference you're supposed to set goals so yeah. and i'm not against setting goals but it's the reason why we set them for me they were out of, of a place yeah. of ego which is whatever it's fine but um from there I started learning. I started really sinking in. Like this, there's got to be more to life than this, than hitting goals, than becoming a bodybuilder and getting a truck and having, you know, all these these silly things that I was trying striving for. And that's where stuff started to shift. And that's why I decided that I would travel the world. I I didn't just go to Sub-Saharan Africa. I traveled around the world for a year. I went Mm -hmm. to 15 different countries. And in those countries, the perpetual thought was like, "Who am I? Like, what I, what do I want to do in the world? How can I make the most impact in the world?" Like it's not just about setting goals it's not just about money thank God I feel so feel so I feel so grateful to have learned that lesson at 27 28 29 that's right around when it was really sinking in mm-hmm. rather than striving for power and money and prestige and whatever else mm-hmm. that we as men uh, predominantly go for I'm not saying that women don't but I'm just saying that it's yep. very prevalent in men for just to like you know equate our our, our self worth with our net worth yep. and and that kind of thing. So I'm really glad, grateful to have learned that at an early age. Um, so that's, I think that's what your question yeah. was. That's, no, that's what was, I was yeah. thinking. So
0: you basically, that was basically that shifting moment for you. Like you went to the ceremony and you're like, okay, like do I really want to set the next goal and <laughs> get into the next burnout or like, because that's so resonating with me. And like, I, what, what we got asked at when I was working was always like, choose someone, you know, in kind of in the organization or in the company that you're really looking up to and who you want to become and I was like I I don't really see anyone there (laughs) because they are all like super stressed out and like they don't live the life that I actually think I would like to have you know and that's that was an eye-opening situation for me but you know it still took me another one two three years to to leave and also figure out what I want to do next
1: yeah, because those moments, they don't just happen all at once, right? Like that may have been the catalyst moment for me of that mm-hmm. that thing falling down. But even later in that conference, I asked a guy similar to you, this guy who had been in the business for, I think, 17 years, and he made more and more every year. And he got the biggest prize, right? He got this prize of like I think the Diamond Club Award. He made a million dollars in commissions that year. And he was the number one realtor for Remax in Western Canada, which is where, I, which where I'm from. Mm-hmm. And I went up to him and I asked him, I said, hey, you know, I was kind of perplexed by this whole thing that had happened at the ceremony. And I, I said to him, it was named Terry. I said, Terry, how is it that you make more and more every year? Like, how do you, you for 17 years and you're like always number one, how are you doing that? And he, and he says, he turns to me, and I'm waiting for some profound wisdom. And he says, uh, Taylor, I hate finishing second. I hate finishing second. And I was like, Okay. Like, yeah, I, I only like to finish first. And I remember thinking, what a fucking sad existence. You're, yeah. you're, work, you're working your nuts off nonstop for that award.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I looked down and, and I realized, like, because that's what I had just done. I just worked my whatever I was off for, mm-hmm. for that award. And I thought, that's not what I want to be like at all. And that cat- that catalyzed this whole thought process. I read the four hour work week, four hour work week was a huge mm. book back then. That was when it was just like peaking. And this is like two, what is it? 2008, 2009. And, uh, so I read that and I was like, I want to travel. I want freedom. I yeah. want impact. I want meaning. And, mm. uh, I went searching for it. And, uh, and that's, that's what changed everything.
0: Mm-hmm. One last question that I have around this time for you before we move on to the next era that you had. Um, what were like your signs of burnout and being stressed out? How, how, how did you, did were you aware of that at that point? Or were you just like, oh, like I'm a little exhausted, but I keep on going?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, I am I could write a book on burnout. I've, I, uh, now I know that when I start to get a feeling of, it's like, it's like anxiety or it's some feeling when I open my inbox, it always has to do with the inbox. If I open my okay. inbox or even just like open my computer and I'm just like, and I feel this like anxiety and nausea and it's when those feelings come up and I that I go oh shoot I'm there again I didn't even realize that I was here again you know and in real estate what I would do would if I'd get to that point I'd be like oh no oh god what's happening and I would just get in my truck and I would drive up island I lived on this island called Vancouver Island um, up the mm-hmm. west coast of Canada I would drive up the island and I would drive to like some little hotel I'd grab a six pack of beer grab a, some basic groceries go to a hotel and I would just chill for like three days. Okay. Right. And it would take me that much time to kind of recuperate. Yeah. Um, and it's so a, once I, then once I recuperated and I was fresh, I started learning that I was like, wait a second. Every time I come back from a vacation, right. Whether like whether the vacation was prompted by burnout or not, let's say I went to Mexico for a vacation with my girlfriend at the time, or, or I went to Hawaii or I went to the cabin where my, my family lives or I went to wherever, Every time I came out came back the my efficiency and productivity was through the roof. I was like the quality of my work was amazing I was in a super good mood and therefore I was in sales, so your mood equates to yeah. money yeah. right if your mood is really good, then people buy mm-hmm. and so my mood was really good I wanted to go to appointments I wanted to see clients I had a very long fuse you know and mm-hmm. and i could I could negotiate I could really one thing that was really uh, potent to me was this saying that says um." do you want to be right or do you want to be rich? Mm-hmm. Right. When it, 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 as a negotiator, you can, you can be one of those two things,
2: yeah.
1: not always both. You can be right or you can be rich. And in, and in real estate, you're always negotiating. You're always negotiating against someone, right? All mm-hmm. day. And, and the negotiation starts before you even get on the phone, right? Like it's the frame and it's all this stuff, which I really like. I really like negotiating. And back there, I, like, I liked it even more so. And, and I could, I could negotiate better when I, I could, I could, I was fine with not being right. If I was relaxed, mm-hmm. I could let the other person spew their ego all over the place. Bah, 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 they'd yell and scream and whatever. And I'd say, mm-hmm. you're right, you're right, you're right, but let's still put this deal together. Mm-hmm. Let's still let's come to an agreement because our clients want us to, and da, da, da. And I would get so many more deals done because I was mm-hmm. relaxed and I didn't I wasn't like stuck and 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 hard. And that was because I just came back from a vacation. So and now, how long did it
0: last? <laughs> how many that, days?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would last, sometimes it would last a week, sometimes it would last two weeks, yeah. right? And I started thinking, I said, you know, I think that the real juicy spot would be to go away once a month, which would be to go away for like four or five days, at least once a month,
2: mm-hmm. and then
1: to go away for a big trip once a quarter. So mm-hmm. now, four forward to 10 years, like I, my work week now is like three and a half days. So I work Monday, all day Monday with meetings with the team. Tuesdays, I just create content, which is, um Why you and I are talking today, it's Tuesday, it's content day, right? And then when Wednesday is partnerships day, then Thursday kind of wrap up Friday, Saturday, Sunday are off. Nice. And it's because Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday are so efficient and productive when I've taken that time off.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I love that, and I think that's such. That's where I want to get to as well at some point. <laughs> but um, I, I'm still having so many things to do as well. That um, at the moment, it's hard. Well, at the moment, it's like that's, Monday. If, Tuesday, you're, wa- Tuesday, Tuesday, if you're
1: waiting, if you're waiting for things to, if you're waiting for to have less things to do to be able to take more things off days off, it will never ever happen. Yeah. You're the expert of this. You should know this. This is like
0: I do. Yeah,
1: that's you know. Very- but
0: for me, the thing is, I don't see it as work anymore, and that's like the beautiful thing. I think that that is a huge experience for me now right how long
1: do you think that will last
0: um (laughs) i don't know i've only been been here for three months so um and i (laughs) i know that it's not a sustainable (laughs) thing you know um but yeah
1: and i'm not trying to be argumentative but i am trying to be argumentative in the way of like these things it's like it's like giving to charity okay Mm -hmm. people say they'll give money once they've made money Mm -hmm. giving is a habit Giving is a pattern, giving is something that is like learned. And I really like the saying, Tony Robbins says, he says, if you won't give 10 cents out of a dollar, you'll never give a hundred thousand out of a million.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: If you won't give 10 cents out of a dollar, like when you have not very much, you won't give 10 cents. You'll never give a hundred thousand out of a million once you've got lots. Right. Mm -hmm. And taking time off and breaks and stuff like that, it's, it's a learned, it's a habit, Mm -hmm. right? It's not like, okay, I think I've now, now I've made it. Everything's under control and now I can take more time off. That does not happen. Why? Because we're infinitely expanding beings. The one thing that was constant in our life is change. Mm-hmm. And we, 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 we don't like to stay at one spot. Yeah. It's just in us to expand, yeah. right? And so as we're expanding, that means more people, more partnerships, more work. Mm-hmm. And more work equals more work, more time, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas we have, to get, we have to figure out, Like in my uh, humble opinion, we need to figure out like what works for us, what yeah. is like the ideal work week? Like, actually, think about that. Like For me, Mondays are on fire. I love Mondays because I'm back and I'm refreshed. Mm-hmm. Tuesdays, I love them. I'm still totally on fire. I've got lots of energy. Mm-hmm. Wednesdays, I like to have conversations. By Thursday, I'm starting to wane. By Friday, I'm useless.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Saturday and Sunday, if I take calls on Saturday and Sunday, I've ruined my weekend and not recuperated. So, mm-hmm. I, I think for People that are listening to your stuff, is like they're listening to because they want less stress in their life, right? Yeah. They want more comfort, exactly. more peace, more joy, more yeah. meaning, etc. And all of these things are habits, mm-hmm. right? It's like meditation, right? Like, oh, I'll meditate when I've got more time. That is the biggest load I've ever heard. I'll <laughs> meditate when I have more. Wait, what?
2: So you, you're you so busy that you can't time,
1: meditate? Right? Uh-huh. Yeah, like meditation is a habit. Taking days off is a habit. Giving to charity is a habit. All of these things start like just one little bit at a time. Mm-hmm. and we can't the whole mentality of wait until this to get that is like the 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 one of the poisons of our culture we're indoctrinated to think like when you retire then you can travel like wait you're gonna wait till you're 55 or 65 you know. and have matching track suits with your wife and to to actually what to rent an rv and travel with one of your bad hips and mm-hmm. you know what i mean like yeah yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it's crazy That's to cool. wait to if any and it's insidious that thought process of I'll do it when that is makes so much sense in our brains, right? Because we actually think that time exists. We actually think that we live in a linear reality, which we don't, Mm -hmm. which maybe this podcast isn't on that, but we absolutely don't. And what we think it does and we're convinced it does. And therefore we act like it does and we act like stuff in the future is going to be totally different. Like we're just going to have more time. It's not true. Mm -hmm. The future doesn't fucking exist. It literally does not exist. Mm-hmm. That is that is a, just a statement of pure fact. And anyone who doesn't even believe in, let's say, quantum physics or the 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 realm that I'm gently touching on right now, you know the future does not exist. It has not happened yet.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know that something that you do now could affect, could and will affect the future, mm-hmm. right? And so the best thing that you can do to affect the future is to live in accordance with the future that you want to have, right? So if you want to have more time off, you have to just force or if you create more time off now. Anyways. Yeah.
0: so let me ask you this question did you so big I always have like this one book in my head when people talk exactly how you just talked about quantum physics and the power of now are you referring to the power of now from Eckhart Tolle have you ever read this book
1: I love that book um I'm (laughs) I'm not referring to it (laughs) specifically but but I but it's a very very powerful amazing book that I think about a lot yes
0: same Same. Yeah. I love that. And I, yeah, I can just say plus, plus one to that. Um, Okay. So tell us about the company that you're doing now, because I think that's really interesting as well, because you said that you're building um, more schools and you're, you're helping um, in that sense. But what is it that you do in order to create more impact as well for other people?
1: Yeah. You know, I think that actually dovetails into relaxation and space. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: For me, structure creates freedom right? So what I love to know, I really love to know, am I on track for my enough? So when I when I was going through that whole stage of, of my career of like wanting to make more money and own more property and have more investments and more, 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 I was just continuous more. I always wanted more.
2: Mm-hmm. I
1: never enough, bigger muscles, all the stuff, right? More, more, more.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I sat down when I went on my trip around the world, to those 15 countries, and I sat down and I said, I'm not getting up from this table until I decide what is enough. Because this whole more, more, more thing is going to be, could plague me. And I see it plaguing. Again, I looked at, was looking at men as examples in my life. I could see it plaguing men that were older than me, never having enough. And mm-hmm. we're not ever thinking that they had enough. And so I sat down, I decided what was enough for me from the ages of 28 to 32. For me, that just intuitively felt like a good age range. Because so I thought when I'm 32, maybe I'll want to have a family and mm-hmm. I'll change what is enough. But defined how much was enough coming in per month, how much was enough having like safely invested and mm-hmm. how much was enough like in the bank that I could use.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I defined that enough. And as soon as I defined that, I already had it. So I was like, there, now I'm not thinking about me buying more or investing more and all that kind of stuff. And it just completely freed my mind. Mm-hmm. It freed my mind. It, it turned my mind from being always so inward, right? To like, mm-hmm. how can I get more? How can I, 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 to being outward? Because now that I've got enough, mm-hmm. I can now make impact. I can now The the energy that I have, I don't know if you're picking up, I have energy. Like that energy is going to go somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. And so it started to go towards helping other people. Mm -hmm. That's where like the real core of it came from is like, I was like, I have enough. I have enough time. I have enough money, et cetera. So now I'm going to go and help people or help people. I'm going to go and make as much impact as possible. Mm -hmm. So that freed me up for that kind of thinking. And so now the company that I have here is I know exactly to the dollar how much, what our goals are from now until december 31st 2021 mm-hmm. right for that whole space and it's not stagnant it's not like enough just this much amount a month every month it's got a very uh sensible responsible and achievable and aspirational goal every month okay and that all leads up to something that's really really powerful for me which at the end of 2021 that's when i my intuition my impulse says that i'll probably start having kids okay is my guess nice you know okay. we're 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 in whatever 2019 right now, Mm -hmm. but I think I'm about two and a half years away from having kids. And I'm not saying like, that's just the best time to have kids. And so therefore I'll have it. My intuition says that's my intuition says prepare for a family. And at this exact moment, I don't even have a girlfriend or a prospect of a girlfriend, (laughs) but I have a feeling that I will probably meet one and, procreate at some point so you
0: manifest that as well which is i think beautiful because you know i'm sure you know a lot about manifestation and um, eckhart tolle speaks about that as well so just manifesting that that in two and a half years that's what's going to be i'm pretty sure what it's going to be
1: i'm guessing so as well yeah Mm -hmm. so so that having that structure and that is a combination like the expansion with enough Mm -hmm. to me is magical Mm-hmm. To the, so basically, I'm like, here's the expansion that I feel would be really, really wonderful. And that's intuitively feels right for me. And it leads up to the lifestyle that I want to have with my family, etc. Mm-hmm. And it creates so that therefore creates structure that I'm not trying to make more. I'm not like most people when they go into business, they just try to make more than they made last year. It's not really based on anything. They're like, last mm-hmm. year, we made a million. So this year, we want to make 1.5. Mm-hmm. Or last year, we made 100k. So this year, we want to make 200.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: like, that's what it's based on. There's no real why behind it. There's no like, no rationale. And so therefore they get burnt out trying to go for these goals that don't actually really matter to them. Mm-hmm. And they might be totally inconsequential. They're just like added a zero or they added a five or whatever it is that they wanted to do to their goal. Right. Mm-hmm. So for me, look, looking at it, it's like by 2021, I have very clear how much I want to sell this business for and mm-hmm. I'll sell it for that amount by the end of 2021. Mm-hmm. That is based on investing that money at a reasonable return to give me the amount per month that I, that will that is abundant mm-hmm. and reasonable for my family and i mm-hmm. so that i can support my partner our child or children as they come and we can do whatever we want I, it's very clear to me i want to be very involved in my children's life okay. lives i want to be like there i want to see it it seems so fascinating to me like they just change so fast right mm-hmm. i don't want to be gone 40 hours a week and missing those 48 40 hours right i'm yeah. sure i'll have my projects i'll write another book or whatever but mm-hmm. i want to see it and so that for me it's very it's visceral. It's important to me to hit those goals because those goals to me tie to me having quality time with my daughter.
2: Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: It's not like to me hitting some other goal. So that, that helps me then stay in my own lane. I don't compare myself to other businesses. I don't give two shits about what another business is doing or, or someone who's in my space making more faster, wonderful. Oh, making more. There you are. sorry. No, if they a- are making more, Fantastic. I'm like, can be their their cheerleader, being like, yes, you're doing awesome because Mm. there's no competition because I know exactly where I'm going. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, anyways, with that structure also gives me the ability to to give, gives me the ability to give time. We give 10% of our profits to um, impact work. So I know exactly where I'm going to put that money and how much it's going to be and what it can create, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So for me, I love that structure and I know I'm, I'm guessing. 80% of the people that are listening to this right now are going, oh, well, I'm just not really like a structure person. I like more of a go with the flow. Go with the flow is an excuse for not having detailed plan of your future. Going with the flow is a fucking spiritual bypass for not planning out things that need to be planned out and deserve to be planned out, like your employees' paychecks deserve Mm -hmm. to be planned out. If you have an employee's, you owe them to plan out the future, right? And by the way, them, that you owe it to yourself you owe it to your inner child, your subconscious, your, all of these parts of you that want to thrive, that want to have have food and water and a healthy life. You owe it to yourself to become a planner. If mm-hmm. you're just not, quote unquote, not a planner, you've been using that excuse for way too long and you know it's the thing that could probably impact your life the most positively is yeah. actually having a plan that you execute. Go, yeah. You know what I mean? Like this, yeah. we can get in this realm of like the, the new age. I'm going to go with the flow person. <laughs> if you're a go with the flow person, if you're a go-with-the-flow person, get off birth control, don't use condoms, then just have kids when you want to have, when, when it just happens, because you're just going to go with the flow. And you know what? Don't even, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. don't think, of, if you really go with the flow, then really go with the flow. Mm-hmm. But if you want to, like, there's things that yeah. you want if to you achieve want to in your, yeah, yeah, if you're successful if you want to achieve in this life, then you, we do, there's a certain aspect of us that needs to be planning. I'm not sure why I got so, like, triggered there, but.
0: No, 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 that's great. <laughs> I, I want to, I want you to explain exactly what you're doing, um, or what your company does.
1: Oh, right. Sorry about that.
0: No, that's um, fine. <laughs> I, I, like, so, I like those sidetracks. It's great.
1: Well, we, do everything for, for us and for myself and the companies I've started spawns from the core of creating oneness. Mm -hmm. right shifting humanity from separation to connection and i don't mean that like we're going to connect the world like facebook what i mean is showing people that reminding remembering that we're all one we're all the same we're all part of the same thing Mm -hmm. right this whole separate that's why i like to not be in competition with people because competition is a symptom of of separation right Mm -hmm. and you, you and I are the same. We're working on the same, uh, you and I have the same mission. I bet. I mean, yes, you're inspiring people to be less stressed, et cetera. But qu- underneath that is for we're people to live, and you know, we're all the same. Yeah. So for me, that's where the fundraising company came from, was like building empathy through, through raising money for people and connecting in that way. Then when I had a travel company that we would build homes throughout Latin America, and that was to build empathy and remind people that we're the same, you know, mm-hmm. you're the same as the person who's in Guatemala who doesn't have, Uh, a house and so we can raise money we build a house together for them and build empathy and they realize they're the same as us we realize we're the same as them etc company that i have now is similar in that we want to shift humanity's idea away from separation towards connection we do that through really impactful ideas through through talks through speaking through getting people's voice getting positive uplifting wonderful connecting messages out to the world and what i've found in my career of after doing hundreds of speaking events speaking at all over the world, in front of you know, way over a hundred thousand people, the number one stage to speak on, in my experience, is a TEDx stage. Mm-hmm. It, like hands down, unequivocally, like I said, my talks at Harvard, UN, um, Disney, KPMG, Morgan Stanley—they're all they're all lovely and good. None of them did anything for like a movement building and for actually getting people to take action like a TEDx talk. That's awesome. And so I so I started. P- teach, I've done four TEDx talks. I started teaching people how to get them. We've now helped well over 200 people land TEDx Talks. Mm-hmm. And we. so what we do is we find people that have epic messages. Just like, it's like, people that are listening to this so far, chances are they're like, they're messengers. They've got something inside them, right? Mm-hmm. That's like, they want to get it out. That's why they want to feel less stressed because the stress is impacting their message. Like why they're here, mm-hmm. what they're supposed to do in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. And so what we like to do is find those people that have this epic message and idea, put it on what I look at as like the most credible stage in the world. And then get that talk a whole bunch of views, right? Get it viewed. Like we just had a client who just passed 130,000 views her talk just wow. came out. It's 130,000 right. human beings. You know what I mean? Like picture that. 130,000. That's a small town.
2: Yeah.
1: Of people sitting there watching this talk mm-hmm. being impacted by it, mm-hmm. being changed, learning something that they didn't know. Yeah. And this person never ever reached that many people before, not even close. yeah But we got her on that the TEDx stage showed you know and then the talk spread etc cetera, etc cetera. and i've seen it with tons of clients we had another client who just passed 100,000 views got another client who's got four million views four million people that have impact impacted by his message
2: yeah
1: you know and that's where i think because the media that we see nowadays the stuff that is actually getting out the mainstream is like be scared be full of fear be blah 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 blah, blah. that's just like our typical mm-hmm. you know that's what we get that's what we ingest when we're looking at mainstream media I think the mainstream media should be uplifting ideas that could shift humanity in a positive direction. Yeah. So that's that's something you're creating. That's
0: so awesome! I love that you're doing that. I think that's such a such an important work. Um, and I, we talked about this as well already a tiny little bit. I definitely have that on my list as well of things to do: getting out um, on TEDx and speaking about yeah. the importance of stress management. Um, I have a, a couple more questions for you because I think you have such an amazing, um, inspir- so inspiring. Um. The first thing that I wanted to ask, um, because you talked about men specifically and about like, you know, how we have like the, those, like, there's a, a certain pressure, I guess, on men as well, right? It's, right. We are raised in a certain way um, and they, they need to bring the money in. I mean, I know that's kind of old conservative views as well, but I feel like that's almost ingrained in um, yeah. how how men sh- should be. Do you, is that a message that you, that you share with others that, you know, men don't have to be that way or... Like, how do you think about that?
1: So we all have, well, let's say if I'm just, I'm just going to speak about men here, because that has been my experience on this earth plane this time around is uh, in a man's body. So in my experience, there is nothing on earth more satisfying than providing for a woman and children. Mm there's nothing more satisfying. I said, I wrote, I said to my business partner the other day, I said, you'd never guess what just happened to me. He said, what? I said, I got to provide for three women today. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, well, I got to help, um, my former girlfriend with this. I got to help this woman with this. I got to help this woman with this. We have as men, if we really feel it, there is an incredible endorphin rush, you know, hormonal cocktail that, that happens when we get to provide and and support a woman.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, It is, it's in me. It's, 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 it's what we're here for in my mind. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: we're, of course we're here to create, et cetera, et cetera. And one of our core jobs is to support women. And if you look at that, I'm not, and I'm not saying support as in, as in like support your, your spouse um, financially. That's, that's not what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is that we are the banks of the river and the women are the river. Like we are, that's my understanding from my own experience Mm -hmm. I do not, I do not advocate for women and men having all of them having the same jobs and doing the same thing. And I I say, play to your strength, whatever that is, and embrace whoever, whatever kind of man or whatever kind of woman or whatever kind of um, person you are, Mm -hmm. because there's some men that are much more artistic than I am. They're much more creative. They're much more, have much, maybe they're more in tune with their feminine side than Mm -hmm. I am, Mm -hmm. Right and that's what they tend to go towards and there's much there's a lot of women that are more towards the much more structure and what maybe what would be called a more masculine approach to business and life and mm-hmm. so whatever you are that's what you should embrace and be my identity all of the inner work that i've done continues to show me as as a like a skew highly to the masculine side
2: mm-hmm.
1: right and a very high sex drive a very very high testosterone um, and like very in the back, the old days when I was before trying to get away from com- competition, very competitive,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, like this, just a lot of very masculine. Um, oh. my alarm keeps going off. It says, of my alarm keeps popping out. It says, dance, I'm alive because it goes off <laughs> times a of day. Um, anyways, so that's for me what feels best is to provide, to hold structure that that's for me mm-hmm. and for other people, it's going to be different. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and I'm not sure exactly what that hormonal cocktail is that happens when we when we do that as men, but mm-hmm. I like to explore it, and I like to do things that help me to continue to boost my testosterone. It's our focus hormone, right? It's our focus. It's our happy hormone as guys. Did you know that like men that have lowered level l- lowered levels of testosterone are 40% more likely to contract cancer, heart disease, and to literally just d- just die like some 40% more tests of death with lower testosterone. Yeah. Right. So I, yeah. So that's part of the reason why I jump in the super cold water um, in the morning. why I like to work out. It's why I'm going to Poland to like climb a mountain with Wim Hof in, in a pair of board shorts um, in January, you know, is to like continue. And why I'm doing like survival school is to continue to tap into like my inner man, the -hmm. stuff that is very clear and primal and natural for me. Mm -hmm. That's what, I want to continue to explore because that's what feels best.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. And so if, if there are men listening now and they're like, "Mm, okay, that's, that's great that you are this way, but what, what am I, what am I doing now? Like, is it the message Mm -hmm. that you think is important is that everybody just needs to find their own way and they, and that's okay that they, that they are a certain way and that they should just continue with that? Or what do you think important as a message to deliver? uh,
1: I think the, the message, the question to ask ourselves, one that I just really love, is like, "What would I love? Mm-hmm. What would I love right now?" Not what is society telling me I should love. What not like? Oh, society's saying that men should be this way or that way. Mm-hmm. It, it pretty much everything society tells us is complete bullshit,
2: mm-hmm. right?
1: It's got a, it's got an agenda behind it, and it's there for a reason to benefit some humans, not necessarily. It doesn't have our best interest in mind. Let's say right. so if you love to create art, then that's what I would advocate that you do. If you would, if you'd love to build businesses like me, I love building businesses. I love it. It's so fun. I just sit here like a Friday night. If you're like, Hey Taylor, you want to come out and for a drink? I'm like, no, I'm planning. I'm like planning the next three years of our business. And I love that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. whatever it is that like, you know, whatever it is that lights you up, I know it's kind of cliche advice, whether you're a man or a woman, you know, if you, that's the thing with the, with the, and the like feminism, let's say this—the the new wave of feminism, which is freaking awesome, which is so freaking awesome. Because what I think is is in that is for women to do what's what they want to do, what's inherently natural for them. For some women, it's to run a fucking company and rock that thing, and that's what they should do. Because they, I truly believe that women have more, way more tools available to them than men do, mm-hmm. and they sh- they they are inherently better at running companies than men are, if mm-hmm. used if harnessed correctly, yeah. and. And some women want to have a family, you know. Like in in three years from now, when I um, just start raising a family, I'm going to be the stay at home dad. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to be there raising those kids, and I'll probably go through an identity crisis. I'll probably be like, "Oh, I'm not," you know, <laughs> do, like building a company, and I'm not needed as much. I'm with the kids, and that's a phase that I'm going to embrace in my life. You know what I mean? Like it's we like, we want to like paint everyone with the same like swath. We want to be like, "This is what you should do in your life." I think life is is best enjoyed in phases. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like the phase that I'm in right now, it's a rebuilding phase. It's Mm a build the foundation phase. It's a get everything set up phase. Next is a deep family phase and connection and raising my kids, Mm -hmm. right? And then after that, it might be another creation phase where who knows, maybe you become an artist. Maybe you can, whatever it is, I just say embrace the phase that you're in, whatever phase you're in. So don't stop trying to find like, you know, people are like, I need to find my purpose for the rest of my life. Fuck purpose. What? <laughs> Who's Who on earth knows what they want to do with the rest of their entire life and it never changes. Yeah. It does not happen. It does so not funny. exist. Yeah. It's like, what would you love right now? If you're a 25 mm-hmm. year old person, chances are like getting like married and finding your person, it's a bit too early for that like you don't even know yourself yet like that's don't rush to that phase that phase will come Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like -hmm. the procreation phase that phase will come the what are you in a building phase exploration phase should you travel the world all that kind of stuff it's like what what would you love right now what feels like the most what is the deepest impulse that you feel right now and go with that
0: yeah Absolutely. Uh, I have so many more questions. You're sharing so many cool things. So, um, and it's going all a little bit in different directions because there are so many, um, yeah, just so many ideas and topics. Um, Meditation, you mentioned meditation earlier, and I was curious to know, did you start at a certain point in your life because you're really stressed out or came with, does it, did it came through your travel? How, how did that um, come together for you?
1: Um, most of, most of the decisions that I made in my twenties, which is where a lot of habits started, happened from the the thought of how can I be more successful? Mm -hmm. It was rarely, how can I be less stressed out? It was more, how can I optimize?
0: Nice. And,
1: um, I watched that, remember that, um, that movie, the secret, the book, the secret, it was like the first, like very popular law of attraction thing that came Mm out ages and ages ago by a woman named Rhonda Byrne. Anyways, I watched that and I was like, whoa, this stuff seems pretty awesome. This is the very beginning. Like right nowadays, everyone knows about law of attraction, manifesting and all that kind of stuff. It's like, you know, common lingo. Back then, I'd never heard of it. I think I was like 24 or something. And uh, pardon me, this is something like 12, 13 years ago. And I watched this movie. All the people that were featured in the movie seemed very, they seemed like they were happy. They seemed like they had like balanced lives and they were thriving and abundant and all these things. Mm -hmm. And they seem like living a life that I would like to live. And I heard somewhere that the one thing that they all had in common is that they all meditated. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, if all those super successful people are meditating, then I should try it. And Mm -hmm. tried it, and I fell completely in love with it. And here's that kind of dovetails into like this this whole this thought process on like your an impulse, like following an impulse, Mm -hmm. is that a lot of times we shut ourselves off from experiences because we think we're doing the experience for the wrong reason okay so we shut ourselves off from experiences thinking that we're doing it for the wrong reason in like for example um let's say i want to like the meditating i did it i started it because i wanted to be more successful right Mm -hmm. and in reality sure it makes me more successful But that's like one tiny little thing it also makes me peaceful and calm and clear and authentic and in touch Mm -hmm. with myself and Mm -hmm. happy you know Mm -hmm. what i mean it's like probably the number one contributor to my happiness Right, but I did it so the universe, I think has a has a way of dangling a carrot that might not actually even be associated to the thing that it wants us to do,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right like and we've heard these stories all the time, like we go, "Oh, I got a flat tire, and I was really pissed off, and then uh, I had to take the car into the mechanic, and there standing in the mechanic was this woman. And uh, I ended up marrying her, and we had kids. And if I never got the flat tire, I never would have married her, right?
2: <laughs> and then, yeah. but,
1: but then it's like that's oh, a crazy coincidence. It's not a freaking coincidence. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as coincidence. So you don't the re, If you're getting an impulse to do something, mm-hmm. the, then you get an impulse to do something. Then the rational mind pops in and goes, "Oh, I want to do this because X. Mm-hmm. I want to do this because of this," right? Mm-hmm. And reality, like I started giving to charity because I read a book that said you need to give ten percent of your money to charity to make to, to make money. Mm-hmm. I started giving money to charity so that I would make more money.
0: Mm-hmm. I did that right? two, two years ago. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, and and it's you, you do have to do it, yeah. and it completely transformed my life. If I didn't start giving that ten percent of my money to charity when I was I was a firefighter in my early career, um, when I, if I didn't start giving ten percent of my money to, to charity back then, I never would have gone on this whole walkabout to find where to give this money, where Mm -hmm. to like get involved in philanthropy. And now, Mm -hmm. you know, our work has has impacted or will impact about 200,000 people in 14 countries. Mm -hmm. 200,000 people have been impacted and it all started with me wanting to make more money and therefore giving money away, Mm -hmm. right? So universe dangled the carrot of make Mm -hmm. more, you'll make more money if you give money. And I'm (laughs) like, okay, cool, I'll bite that carrot. Started giving money and then I was like, wait, this is my calling, this is what I'm, this is Mm -hmm. what I love more than anything else. That's you know, it. so it's, I feel like that, I feel like we are so the universe is working through us at all times yeah. and it's giving us these impulses at all times. These, yeah. these impulses could be like, just go to the deck or, um, go look in your purse for the chapstick. And when you do, you find the note from, Sorry, my, a... my, my alarm um, <laughs> you find the note you can from also your dance lover. In front that,
0: of us if you like, and you, you know, you want to, yeah,
1: be... I'm not that good of a dancer. I can try. <laughs> I, I did a workout the other day. This is like my running man. <laughs> what do you think?
0: Very great, yeah.
1: Usually, I do more of like jumping, like this. Oh more yeah, of a jumper. Like the, when I get my, my alarm, I'm like, yes, well. yes,
0: yes, yes, yeah. yes. It's yes. like celebrating, exactly. celebrating that you're alive.
1: Yeah, exactly. Why not? So, and I'm
0: sure, I'm sure you saw TEDx talk from Amy Cuddy about like you know, oh, yeah. the body thing. So I love that. Totally, That's one of my favorites.
1: That's a good one. So, anyways, the impulses. I just think that. We need to follow those things, right? Especially when we think it's for something mm-hmm. selfish, or oh, I shouldn't do that because of whatever. You know what I mean? Like the rational is just getting in the way, and it's getting in the way of of something that the universe is like, no, go do this.
0: Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So, okay, the last question. I know that we have to start wrapping up as well because you we have some meetings. How is it to speak at TEDx? Tell us more about that experience. You've done it four times already oh my god
1: it's just the, f- the most freaking stressful thing ever mm-hmm. dude i have had a full breakdowns before i <laughs> before before every tedx talk i've had like full messing messy crying blah, blah, blah. like i've tried to i've tried to switch my topic at the last minute to like to, oh, be, to be more easy for me to be like something i've spoken about in the past i've tried to run away from them i've tried to all the things because it brings up it brings up all the stuff and And that's this is what life is about, right? It's not about avoiding fear; it's about doing the things that make us fearful, and then looking those fears in the eye.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. Like we had nine clients do TEDx talks just last weekend alone. Nine clients, all in one weekend, do TEDx talks, and all of them went through the process. The process, uh, the process, it's different for everyone.
2: Yeah. But
1: the process is: you're going to feel a lot of fear. You're going to feel anxiety. You're going to feel stress. You're going to feel all of these things that Mm -hmm. are going to make you a stronger, more expanded. Mm-hmm. more full version of yourself mm-hmm. like doing a tedx talk is a full-on transformational experience in and of itself right because it's such an opportunity to share your voice and it also it's also an opportunity to sit, slip back into old patterns like you might slip back into old patterns of like i need to prove myself and therefore i'm going to put in all of these this few paragraphs talking about why i'm so great yeah. or whatever it is into the ted talk yeah. when in reality a, a really really great ted talk is a potent the most potent version the most egoless version of of what you can say. It's all about like taking out rather than jamming in, Yeah. right? Like 18 minutes is not that long and that's how long a TED Talk can be. And uh, Mm -hmm. that's what I tell clients. I'm like, look, now that you have your talk written, take out all the stuff that you put in there to prove something to someone, Mm -hmm. right? Take out those lines saying, once when I did such and such, because you're putting it in there, chances are you're putting it in there because you you don't feel like you're enough, Mm -hmm. right? Like pull those things out, and then you have like a deep, raw, authentic, potent TEDx talk. And like I said, the effects of these TEDx talks are just absolutely phenomenal. You can reach so many more people than on any other platform that I know of.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and so that's what it's like to do them is it's a full okay. process. It's a full thing.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And, it's, and it's all of it. And it's the most exhilarating thing ever. Because yeah. you get to the other side of it and you're like, I did it. Like, it's, a, yeah. it's a milestone. If you're feeling like you should do it, it's chances are, if you have an impulse, like we're just talking about impulses, if you have mm-hmm. an impulse to do a TEDx talk, That's, Mm -hmm. that's not your brain. That's like your soul being like, Mm -hmm. no, you need to get this message out because it's part of why you're alive.
0: Yeah. Do you have one of the events that was your favorite for whatever reason? Like the coolest city, the coolest audience um, the Um, the talk you think that that you gave?
1: Yeah. The, the one, the most memorable was my first one. It was the first time I ever public did a public speech in, in ever in my life. The first time I ever got on a stage with the TEDx talk. Mm -hmm. And so I was so nervous I sat there and like prayed and meditated for half an hour before I got up into the talk. I was so nervous that I actually didn't even—I had a whole bunch of slides, and my best <laughs> friend was in the audience. But I made her do the clicker.
0: Oh wow! Because I was so okay. nervous that I would
1: like not remember to click it, okay. and so I taught her how to click it when she, taught her when she's supposed to click it. So yeah. she—no one knows, but she's at the back of the room clicking the slides.
0: That's so cool for me
1: because I didn't think I could do both. Mm-hmm. And uh I had dry mouth and I had sweaty pits and I my face was all red and nervous and it sounded like I'd just been chewing on a bunch of cotton. My mouth's like, you know. Yeah. And uh and my my designer at the time, my, the one person who worked for me at the time, literally got a bleeding nose in the in the room because he was so nervous for me. Like it was just <laughs> like we were both just terrified. Yeah. And that talk, you know, the talk's been seen by a hundred thousand people now, mm-hmm. and that talk is what catalyzed it's called "How to Build a School in Three Hours" is the name of it. "How to Build a School in Three Hours," mm-hmm. and that talk catalyzed the building of 300 schools all over the world. Yeah. You know, so going through that fear, going through that terrified day, led to oh my god, like
0: so many beautiful hundreds things.
1: of schools in so in cool. countries all over the world. Nuts, so, right?
0: That so was super cool. Yeah,
1: that was that's that's probably one of my fondest memories.
0: Okay. Where was that TED talk?
1: Those is a tiny one in um, Victoria, British Columbia.
0: Nice. Just a little bit. And it's that's like what a I conference room well. with people
1: on yeah. roller chairs.
0: That's what I love about TEDx, though, that it can be super, you know, like you, it's actually yeah. a small location and it's maybe not a lot of people, but it's still, it's TEDx. It's the well.
1: platform, exactly. Oh, exactly. Cool. exactly. It doesn't matter if it's a, the one that my, one of my clients who's got 4 million views, his talk was in like a multi purpose room in a middle school or something like that. Mm-hmm. He was 19 when he did the talk mm-hmm. and he was the oldest speaker because it was a TEDx kids event. Mm-hmm. It was TEDx kids. And this thing's now been viewed by, by 4 million people. He's like 25. He's never had a job because his TEDx talk went so well that he became a speaker. He's done hundreds of speaking events all over the world, Mm -hmm. paid very well to do it. Mm -hmm. And now his whole job is spreading his message.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. I always have a couple of questions um, at the end of my interviews. So I'm going to get into those really, really quickly. Um, First thing is, what are you most grateful for in your life?
1: Oh my gosh. I'm... This is, I don't know how this is going to sound cliche or not, but I'm just grateful to be here today in like this body. I actually look at life in, a, in an opposite way that it's typically looked at. I think most people look at life as like, well, I'm here for like 80 years. I'm going to do everything I can. Like, well, I'm going to do what I got have can right here. Maybe it's a its a—it's grind. It's stressful. It's whatever. Mm-hmm. I actually think that the real reality is not here. The real reality is like the the, the merged oneness singular not singular the unification um and that I get to come here so every time I get to come here like every time I wake up I'm like oh fuck yes I got another day Mm -hmm. to like smell the flowers be in the water talk to people connect with other souls that are living a human experience you know what I mean that's that's how I feel today um and I love feeling like that because it keeps me in this this place of like I'm just super grateful to be here um, and I'm not saying that challenges don't happen. They happen, right? Stuff comes up and mm-hmm. the stuff totally triggers me. Mm-hmm. You know, that's very easy. But I, if I can keep coming back to that, well, this is an experience. I get to have this experience. It's short. It's like the blink of an eye. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know how long you're going to live, but I'm probably going to live, I don't know, like 80 years or 90 years or something like that, hopefully.
0: yeah.
1: That's a very, time, that's a very short amount of time.
0: Yeah, it is. Cool. I love that. Thank you. Um, what are your three most important wisdoms in your life that you would like to share with others?
1: Uh, one, a couple of quotes, I'd say would kind of sum them up. One is uh, by Lao Tzu, who wrote the Tao Te Ching, which is the second most read book aside from the Bible. Um, and it says, only the man who knows enough is enough will ever have enough. Mm-hmm. Only the man who knows enough is enough will ever have enough not knowing what is enough is, is like paralyzing our culture is, 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 is insidious a is poisoning our society.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, no one's saying enough and therefore we're overusing in okay. a lot of ways, as you know.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: that one, I also like one by, um, Osho that says, uh, a tr- for a tree's branches to reach heaven, its roots must reach hell right so her trees ranches I've never tree heard chatting. that
0: before wow
1: yeah i, I probably <laughs> miss mis, i'm probably misquoting it slightly but <laughs> but, but you, yeah, get you get the point the, th- the, the point is the same yeah. in that we especially in like the new okay, that's the last time that happened um for for our especially in like the new let's say like the new age spiritual world, it's so focused on positivity Mm -hmm. right we're so focused on be positive focus on what you want and all that kind of stuff great we don't focus on the roots like the deep down the foundation the dark Mm -hmm. where there's no light Mm -hmm. and that's where that's in my mind where the power is 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 both of those being like oh i'm super triggered right now where's that from Mm -hmm. is that from when i was four years old and i was taught to never show off and therefore or whatever it is you know what i mean yeah. Like it's both of those. It's like, yes, the positivity. Yes, the affirmations. Yes, the goals, Yes, the manifesting and blah, blah, blah. And the deep work. Where am I showing up out of integrity? Where am I being a total arrogant dickhead? Where, mm-hmm. Who am I letting down that mm-hmm. I don't need to be kind of letting down?
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: like yeah. the, the light and the dark at the same time yeah. is where that's the full spectrum in yeah. my mind. That's awesome. And then, um, th- so those are two wisdoms. And if I had another one, yeah, one thing that was, that I really like is like self-acceptance. We call it self-love, loving yourself, et cetera. Um, I love the word, I love the word acceptance. I like fully accepting who I am, that it, that there's nothing more freeing to mm-hmm. me than that mm-hmm. is not being dependent on other people's approval for, you know, who, for me feeling good. Like, yeah other people's truth is not my truth, you know, or doesn't have to be my truth. And so I think self-acceptance, that's kind of my journey over and over again is like continuing to accept myself despite what others think. And the cool thing is that people we can listen to that and go, yeah, that's a really good idea. I'll just kind of start accepting myself more, but there's tangible things that you can do to, to do that. Like Mm -hmm. to, to not give a fuck. Right. Yeah. there's tangible things one of the things one of the craziest things i've done lately or one thing i do before a speech is when i'm when i'm like caring too much what other people are thinking like mm-hmm. if i'm really caught up and like oh are they gonna like me are they gonna laugh at my jokes Ah, and, am i enough you know when i get really caught up in that stuff which i totally do um if i'm flying to the speech i'll force myself to go to the front of the plane and then do deep lunges all the way down the aisle to the back of the plane looking people in the eye on okay. each lunge like like full deep staring because it's very awkward because now I'm the awkward guy in front of 300 people. So I'm uh-huh. being judged by 300 people. And so it makes me feel awkward, but then I get to the end of the aisle and I didn't die and it feels great. Um, or another thing I did recently was I went nude modeling because I felt, felt like very nervous to be naked in front of a whole room of people that I, you know, that I do know or don't know. Yeah. And so I forced myself to go nude modeling and sit there for three hours, butt naked in front of a bunch of people.
2: Like- and by the end of it,
1: by the end of it, I was like, wow, I feel exponentially more comfortable in my own skin so I'm gonna actually I'm gonna probably start doing that either once a week or or once every two weeks where sure. so it's just like it's a habit like yeah becoming comfortable with ourselves again is a habit it's not like it just happens definitely once I get here then I'll be comfortable with myself it's like no that means your're comfort your, your comfort is dependent on something else mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. whereas we can work on it every day you can go to Starbucks right now and just like lay down in the lineup just like lay down on the floor for and time yourself for one minute
2: mm-hmm. and just
1: let people walk around you Mm-hmm. And then after a minute, get up and order your grande frappuccino with orange sprinkles. You know, yeah. so you can do these things to to care less what people think, and it's incredibly freeing um, in the process. Cool.
0: Did you have a book? And um, we already talked about the power of now, but was there anything that really like you feel like you changed your life, or it's so inspired you to be different? You mentioned as well the secret earlier, but that's more a movie.
1: Yeah, I the most fascinating book I've read lately is Sex at Dawn. Okay. It is just like freaking fascinating. Oh okay. my gosh! Every page is just gold. It's absolutely amazing um, looking into the history of sexuality, where we came from, like what is why why we have the uh, agreements that we have in society these days, the constructs, the relationship constructs, etc.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's the most fascinating from in my mind. Yeah, learning about myself as a man and as, as a primate was really interesting. It was more interesting learning about uh, women. And learning about what's natural to women and, and the scientific research behind what women are attracted to and why. And and okay. it's it absolutely uh, incredible. So Sex at Dawn is the most interesting one I've, I've read cool. lately.
0: All right. I'll look into that for sure. Yeah. So, and then for a,
1: for a spiritual one, I really like Conversations with God.
0: Okay. Oh, I love that one yeah. as well. That's cool. All right. Yeah. And so how can people connect with you if they want to uh, talk to you, learn more from you, book you as a can... TEDx speaker?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you want a TEDx talk, Instagram the easiest. My yeah. Instagram is if you type in Taylor Conroy, you'll see it. There's not too many Taylor Conroys out there. Um, Taylor A Conroy is my Instagram. So mm-hmm. if you type in Taylor A Conroy on Instagram, shoot me a DM, and uh, and we can talk. The first thing I'm gonna ask is like, what's your idea? You know, what's your what's your TEDx idea yeah. in one sentence? Mm-hmm. And uh, if you've got that, then then we'll then we'll start riffing.
0: Okay. Cool. Well, it was such a pleasure to have you. Thank you so so much. And this was such a beautiful yeah. conversation. And like you said as well, there's always this, you know, coming together and we just DM'd on Instagram and here we are sitting yeah. in past interview. And I believe that too. Like I you know, I think that we met for a reason and um I want to transport your message out for a reason as well. And yeah, thank you so much for, for being here. Yeah,
1: this was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me today. Thank you. Thanks everyone for listening.
0: Thanks. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be extremely happy and grateful if you could leave me a comment and a five-star rating. If you know someone who would benefit from the information I talked about today, please feel free to share it with them. No matter if it is your friends, your colleagues and or your family members. You will always find all links and a summary of the podcast in the show notes. It would be great if we could connect on Instagram or via email. You can find all details of how to find me in the show notes as well. In that way, you can also send me any questions that you might have. And as I mentioned, I also have a wonderful YouTube channel now where you can post comments and questions. So please reach out. I'm glad you're listening to this podcast. Thank you so much for your trust. With gratitude, Julia.